a factual data creation facility production. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 205, which I'm calling, Will Siri Rule Over the Kingdom of Apple? Well, the Super Bowl is over. I managed to catch most of the second half due to a lack of alternative programming. It's like the other networks and streaming services just gave up trying to compete. I felt that Kansas City would win while my lovely wife was rooting for San Francisco. It was a pretty good game, but came off as one big ad for Taylor Swift. I don't get it, and I don't want to get it. I'm all Swifted out at this point. Okay, let's just get on with it. Yes. Okay. Before I get started, last week in the entertainment section of the show, I heaped praises on the Paramount Plus exclusive television series, which was based on a movie from the year 2000 that was set in 90s London. What I neglected to tell you was the show's name. The movie it's based on and the series is called Sexy Beast. I just thought you should know that. Tech news. Not much tech news this week, especially apple-flavored tech news. But don't worry, the giant fruit company is rumored to be holding an event next month where it's expected that the company will introduce two new iPad Pros, two new iPad Airs, and perhaps a new 15-inch MacBook Air and Mac Mini. As I've reported on before, the iPad Pros are going to be equipped with OLED displays and M3 chips. The front camera will be moved to the correct horizontal position, and the larger Pro size will be bumped up from 12 to 13 inches, allegedly. The iPad Air is going to get the M2 chip with a new 12-inch version making its debut. The MacBook Air and Mac Mini will probably just get the M3 chip. John Prozer, host of the FPT YouTube channel, confirmed that Apple has bought up 32 AI companies over the last few years and expects that big announcements concerning AI will come during Apple's annual Worldwide Developers Conference, which usually happens in July. Mr. Prozer predicts iOS 18 will feature a massive dose of artificial intelligence. More on this report later in the Tech I'm Using section. Tech Bros, whatever that may mean, are returning their Vision Pros and keeping receipts is the headline from Gizmodo.com. The gist of the article is that many consumers who purchase the Vision Pro on its release day are not satisfied with their purchases and are returning the goggles en masse. Sure. Some are, but the majority of these tech bros are either social media influencers or people who wanted bragging rights for being one of the first to try it out. What they have in common is that both groups never intended on keeping their vision pros in the first place. Unless the influencers' outlets are very successful, they really can't afford to keep them. And the same goes for the bragging rights group. There are legitimate claims about Apple's foray into virtual reality, though. Unsatisfied users complain of headaches and discomfort while wearing the Vision Pros, duh, and the low number of apps currently available for the headset. Complaints that are common for all VR goggles currently on the market, no matter who the manufacturer is. Again, my advice to you is to never buy the first generation of any product, especially tech products. 
The formerly Don't Be Evil company, the Big G, Google, has announced Android 15, according to the Digital Times. The new features are an increase in privacy and security, Yay! supporting creators and developers, huh? and maximizing app performance. Yes. The privacy and security amounts to under-the-hood tech, which wasn't specified, that, quote, improves user privacy and enables effective personalized advertising experience for mobile apps. Hmm. So Android is basically an advertising platform. Is that what Google is telling us? Yes. As far as the supporting creators and developers, low-light improvements to allow developers to boost the brightness of the camera and more control of the camera flash. For music creators, Android 15 adds UMP support to virtual MIDI apps, which will allow more functionality with composition and synthesizer apps. To increase app performance, Android's dynamic performance framework has been upgraded to add a new power efficiency mode that will improve long-running background workloads. There are also new thermal thresholds that should, the keyword here is should, reduce thermal throttling. The developer preview of Android 15 is already available with the release of the full public version predicted to be no later than December. Well, from all this, you can deduce that Android 15 is a maintenance and optimizing release. TechRadar.com says that Samsung Galaxy 24 owners are reporting, quote, frankly unacceptable, unquote, new display issues. Display problems being reported are a washed-out color panel while using the phone's vivid display mode, which Samsung claims to be working as expected. Grainy textures when viewing dark and gray colors on their Galaxy S24 displays, which appears to be a hardware issue, and the seeing of horizontal bars while viewing their displays at low brightness levels. I'm sure Samsung will correct the non-hardware-related issues with a software update. Well, at least the phones aren't catching fire like, what was it? The Note 7, if I'm recalling correctly. <laughs> Fortune.com has the following headline. Blue Sky's challenge to Musk X is gaining momentum with nearly 5 million signups. From the article, quote, Early last week, the buzzy social network spinout that's soaking up many refugees from the cesspit now known as X finally started letting people in without invitations. And so far, the results are very encouraging. Unquote. Well, first of all, the referring to X as a cesspool in the opening sentence of the article signals that the author has a bone to pick with Elon Musk and X, and that the article is basically a hit piece, which it is. The author later says that it's a fascinating time in social networking, largely thanks to Musk's defilement of Twitter's corpse. Yes, this unbiased tech journalist actually wrote that. He goes on to heap praises onto Blue Sky, its CEO, and the entire team. Well, I've been on Blue Sky for quite some time and forget that I even have an account on the platform. I found that it's a space where not much is happening and have confirmed that it's still true even after this influx of new users. I wonder how many of these 5 million new signups will remain once they see what's not going on with Blue Sky. Then again, I'm sure... The author of this sorry excuse of an article is indeed one of these refugees from Twitter who lives in a bubble where everyone agrees with each other in order not to be canceled. Being that Blue Sky is made up of former Twitter alumni, if somebody doesn't agree with or offers a different opinion than his, he'll be able to flag it as hate speech and get the offending poster suspended or better yet canceled. If Blue Sky had a sound, 
it would sound something like this. So do yourself a favor. Skip Blue Sky and all other social media. You'll feel better for doing so. The Associated Press, the pyramid top of the mainstream media, reports that OpenAI has released Sora, its next text-to-video generator. OpenAI is the first to demonstrate this technology and bring it to market. I've seen some demonstrations of Sora, and while impressive, you can still tell it's the product of AI. Artists are questioning the origins of the learning model for Sora. To which I reply, you and your work was and is the learning model for this technology. Once it's perfected, which won't be too far in the future, expect commissions to start drying up. Learning how to code in any computer language won't be enough to stave off your replacement by a machine. There, my dystopian prediction for the week. <laughs> Wired.com reports that Meta's WhatsApp Messenger and Facebook Messenger will become interoperable with other popular chat apps after being pressured by the EU to do so. Meta's apps will adopt the Signal encryption protocol for security. Well, that's a good thing, as Signal's protocol is open source. You know, one of the co-founders of WhatsApp went on to found Signal later on. And that completes the circle of life, as they say. The other individual chat apps have to first agree to be compatible with WhatsApp and Messenger, and most have and will. Well, here's some insider information for you. Governments will still be able to read your messages despite the encryption. If you desire a more secure, well, somewhat basic communications app, pony up the equivalent of $4 and use Threema Messenger. That's spelled like it sounds, T-H-R-E-E-M-A. That's a one-time cost, not a reoccurring subscription cost. For the sake of security, Threema has declined to become compatible with Metas or any other chat app. Also, Threema is the official app of the Swiss Armed Forces, while the U.S. Armed Forces official communications is done using TikTok. <laughs> and finally, for the tech news section, Engadget.com is reporting that retail giant Walmart, which I affectionately call Wally World, and you have to be old like me to get the reference, yes. is in talks to acquire budget television maker Vizio. Walmart has offered to pay $2 billion to make Vizio the company's house brand in order to compete with Amazon and Roku. Walmart would also gain all of the customer data that Vizio has collected over the years, which would open up a advertising revenue stream. That would be a win-win for them. Walmart could also sell that data to third parties. Uh -oh. I've had a Vizio television set in the past and was impressed with the value per dollar the television offered. I don't use the smart televisions, apps, or services, preferring to use an outboard streaming box, specifically an Apple TV box. When an app asks for permission to share my data, I don't grant that permission. You know, I wish they still sold dumb televisions without the built-in apps and other data-sucking software. Now, where's the television genie when you, you need one? Tech I'm Using while listening to a now-defunct podcast, which ran from 2014 to 2021, wow. which is a long time, especially for a science fiction audio drama, I had what one could consider an epiphany regarding artificial intelligence. The name of the podcast is Wolf 359, and it follows the small crew of a space station orbiting a seemingly red dwarf star at the outer reaches of our galaxy named 
Of course, Wolf 359. The show is set in the distant future, so the station is equipped with a onboard artificial intelligence entity named Hera. While the cast do make reference to Hera being an artificial intelligence entity, they reference it as an operating system. Perhaps my old fart brain has forgotten, but I've never heard of an AI being referred to as such. When I first heard this reference, the proverbial light bulb went on inside my head. I realize this is what the end game is for AI, and it's what I predict Apple will announce within the next few years. Gone will be iOS and macOS. Siri will be the king or queen or non-binary, I'm sure will be the user's choice, of your computer, phone, tablet, heck, even your TV box. Earlier in the show, I previously told you about a report from John Proser's Front Page Tech YouTube channel. He confirmed there that Apple has quietly bought up 32 AI companies. He used this as evidence to assure his viewers that Apple is not falling behind its rivals, as most of the tech press would have you believe. What I didn't tell you about was the short CNBC interview clip he showed where two Apple employees are posed that very question, which was, do you think Apple has fallen behind in the AI race? Well, the two employees look at each other and start to laugh. Now, not a nervous or dismissive type of laugh, but a I've got a powerful secret type of laugh. The employees then expressed their confidence in Apple being at the forefront of AI. Mr. Prozer predicts we'll be hearing about the company's plans at this year's WWDC set to be held in July. Well, I disagree with him here. While Apple will most certainly announce some AI things at WWDC, I think Apple will spring this AI as the operating thing when iOS 20 is due to be released, which will be in autumn of 2026 by my calculations. I could be wrong on the timing, but I really think this Siri as an operating system thing is going to happen. And to think, an independent sci-fi podcast predicted something like this way back in 2014. Last episode, I complained about the constant raising of prices on subscriptions for my Ring security camera system and thought about going over to Apple's HomeKit cameras. My reasoning was that I wouldn't have to pay a monthly subscription in order to take advantage of all the features the camera offered because it would be rolled into my Apple One subscription. Upon watching many YouTube videos on the subject, I learned that in order to get access to all camera features, I'd still have to use the manufacturer's own app. If just using Apple's HomeKit and iCloud, those advanced features would be locked. So, maybe switching to a HomeKit camera setup isn't the best idea at this time. Who knows if my prediction about an AI charge Siri does happen to come true. Yes. No. It would be worth the effort. Besides, HomeKit-enabled cameras are more expensive to purchase than non-HomeKit versions of the very same camera. What? Entertainment News. The Sony all-female Spider-Person movie, Madam Web, has flopped in theaters, as predicted by many within the nerd universe. Lead actress Dakota Johnson fired her agent right after the theater numbers started rolling in. But it's unknown if that was due to Madam Web's poor performance or not. Both critics and moviegoers mostly panned the dialogue, with many saying that it's as if a 12-year-old wrote the script. Well, this is what happens when you depend on writers whose only life experience is their college days and yet expect them to pen some sort of epic and then combine them with an inexperienced director whose previous projects all flopped. 
I guess they work cheap, though, so there's that. I don't blame the actors. They're only using what they've been given to work with, so I'd understand if Ms. Johnson did indeed fire her agent because of this movie. On a side note, I actually met Dakota Johnson at work while she was returning from Canada after completing filming on the Fifty Shades Darker movie and found her, shall we say, aloof. It was as if she was above talking to a peasant such as myself. I didn't recognize her at the time, but she, I knew she was some sort of VIP because she had an airline official escorting her through formalities. She was traveling with another woman who I presumed to be a co-star or perhaps a personal assistant. Either way, that woman was much nicer and had a great personality. Only after they left did I become aware of who Dakota Johnson was. I've watched the first two episodes of the Paramount Plus original Halo based on the old Xbox video game of the same name. I didn't mind the first season, so why not give the show's second season a shot, I figured. The first episode was pretty darn good, and the second episode was also good, with only a slight fall-off from the season opener. I'm now invested. I never played the Halo video game, so I don't know the backstory, but the main complaints from the Nerdscape is that the series isn't following the video game storyline. Yes, there are plenty of female boss characters. And yes, there are sexual preference situations in the series, but the girl bosses are not too much over the top, and the sexual preferences scenes are done tastefully. They're not shoehorned in for virtue signaling sake. The scenes are part of the story and don't become the story. If you're not invested into the Halo video game universe, well, just give the show a chance. Then again, this is coming from someone who loved Netflix's Cowboy Bebop live action series, which was based on the anime cartoon. That particular show was canceled after the very first episode because it didn't deliver the expected audience numbers. But because Netflix drops all episodes at the same time, at least I got to watch the rest of the season. Sexy Beast and Masters of the Air continued to be compelling television for me, and the American version of the BBC series Ghost started a new season. Also, another season of Will Trent begins next week, so I have a full palette of shows to watch. Oh yeah. Breitbart.com has a story about the once trailblazing news organization known as CNN having to, quote, dramatically slash anchor salaries, unquote. The well-known reason for this wasn't the interesting part of the article for me, though. Most know that not many people take CNN seriously these days, much less watch the network. Now, for me, the most interesting part of the article was the anchor's current salaries. Salaries range from $1 to $2 million per year for low-rung anchors, up to $20 million for Anderson Cooper. What? $20 million? Not bad for basically not doing any real journalism, but instead just blurting out your personal agenda-driven opinion day after day. Those salaries are ridiculous, especially when no one is actually watching you. Great work if you can get it, I'm sure. The folks over at CNN are probably praying for Donald Trump. I beat China all the time. No, you didn't, so stop saying it. No. Anyway, I guess they'd hope he gets reelected. <laughs> Barring a complete reset over at CNN, the owners should just let the network die on the vine, as the cool kids say. No. I'm a Major League Baseball fan. My team, of course, is the New York Yankees. I find the slow pace of baseball is kind of relaxing for me, and I watch other teams play also. In order to be able to do that, I use the MLB TV app. 
I used to pay for a yearly subscription, but because T-Mobile is my cellular service provider, I get to use the MLB TV app gratis. This upcoming season, MLB TV is releasing a new feature, a feature I most likely won't be using. The feature is called MultiView, and it will enable you to watch four, count them, four games on the screen at the same time. I barely have the ability to concentrate on one game, let alone four. I'm sure the gamblers out there will appreciate this ability, though I guess it will be handy during playoff time in order to keep an eye on all the current games being played. If MLB would let you watch home games, well, I'd be a happy gamper. I'd even be willing to pay extra for that capability. Podcast News The Android podcast listening app that has gained the most traction since Google announced that its own app was shutting down has been AntennaPod. AntennaPod is open source and completely free of ads and costs to the user. I don't think this app has all the features of the podcasting 2.0 standards, but let's be real. How many of them do the average consumers actually use? The most important podcast 2.0 feature to me is the ability to access the podcast index, not just Apple's podcast index. Yes. So if you're on the hunt for a replacement for the Google Podcast app, give AntennaPod a look. Well, the price is right. I received an email last week from Radio Public, which advised me that the company is shutting down. Well, I didn't even know that this show, the OFNT podcast, was even on that platform. Radio Public was a national public radio-inspired outfit that promised to promote and help fund podcasts if, and only if, you fit a particular demographic. Being an old, straight white guy, I didn't fit into any preferred demographic, unfortunately. So I never received any sort of promotion or funding from them. I kind of forgot about them. Like NPR, who inspired them, times got tough. And the company man. was bought by Acast, who's now shutting them down. I feel that if Radio Public wasn't so discriminatory, they might have had a shot at success. But then again, what do I know? I guess I had submitted my podcast to Radio Public back when I was first starting out, thinking I could get some help. And that again proves why no one actually pays me to think. <laughs> Semaphore.com has the following headline. How Spotify's big Trevor Noah deal soured. Around June of last summer, I reported that Spotify signed comedian Trevor Noah to a big contract for a platform-exclusive podcast. This despite Noah primarily being known as the man who single-handedly reduced the once-popular Daily Show to a shadow of his former self, which resulted in his firing. At the height of Mr. Noah Helming of the Daily Show, which he took over from Jon Stewart, he drew about 400,000 viewers. That was down from the average 1 million-plus viewers his predecessor was pulling in. Jon Stewart has since returned to the Daily Show, and his first episode drew over 1 million viewers. Now, what's that telling you? There are two differences between Trevor Noah and Jon Stewart. The first one is that Jon Stewart is actually funny. The second is that Jon Stewart jokes about both sides of the political divide, while Trevor Noah basically derided Republicans and praised Democrats. The South African import landed on his feet after being fired from The Daily Show being signed to that previously mentioned Spotify contract. I subscribed to the... Noah podcast, so I could check it out for podcast fodder, but I never got around to actually listening to it. Now, just six months on, Noah's team wants to renegotiate the contract, which would involve him opting out of the guaranteed minimum payment from Spotify, 
As the author of the article so cleverly puts it, quote, The podcast announcement marked the giant platform's new bet on the future of audio, away from the bespoke Brooklyn-made narrative podcast and inexperienced celebrity podcasters, and more towards sure-thing entertainers with hosting experience, unquote. Mr. Noah does have experience hosting shows, and I guess some find him interesting. Sure thing? Not so much. The problem appears to be that Spotify thought it was getting a podcast where the interesting host would be interviewing a A-list celebrity or political guest. But what they got was an uninteresting host who wants to interview semi-obscure CEOs and scientists. Hey, doesn't Joe Rogan already do that? Yes. Spotify pushed back against the reporting by saying they were happy with Mr. Noah's show and have no news in regards to any changes. They didn't deny Noah's team were trying to alter his contract, though. So what does it all mean? Well, it means Trevor Noah's podcast is not pulling in the numbers that were expected, and his team wants to trade his guaranteed minimum payment for getting out of exclusivity because they feel the show can make more money if released to all podcast outlets via the RSS feed. I doubt that it would, and doubt that Spotify will re-sign Noah when the contract is finally up. The guy just isn't funny, and his overt ideology gets in the way of him and his team putting out an entertaining show. And that's my opinion, for what that's worth. I don't think we'll be seeing any more Spotify-exclusive signings in the future. Well, the music is playing, and my mouth is both tired and dry. Yeah, I've been battling some physical issues lately, caused by myself, thinking I could work out like it's 1999. My old body begs to differ. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be greatly appreciated. And you know you can always reach me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com and that's only if you're so inclined. I'd really enjoy hearing from you. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Well, the sun has set on this chilly February evening. And you know, you can support this show even more by getting off my lawn. Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya.